Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm thrilled that you guys are here. My name is Gerald. I'm the lead pastor. If this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. We're starting a brand new series called The Big Guy Upstairs. So um, I saw, I don't know if you saw this this week, Apple, uh, like Apple computers, anybody Apple people in here? A lot of you are. Uh, I am too. I've had iPhones and Macs for a long, long time. And they announced this VR headset. Did you see that? Like this new VR VR headset. Uh, I mean, and, and the ad that I saw was somebody walking around their living room, like just doing normal things, but they had it on, you know, like they're, they're watching the show, they're walking around their house, they're doing things, they're, I don't know what they're doing, they're swiping left and, you know, adding things and liking things and whatever, and, uh, and these people are maybe trying to have a conversation together, I don't know, like they're interfacing, uh, this thing's going to cost $3,500, I believe. Anybody going to buy one? I mean, it's okay. Raise your hand. Mike, you're not going to buy one. <laughs> um, I mean, it's probably amazing. I, I think, though, like, does this increase our connection with each other or make it harder, right? Like, does it, does it get better or worse? Because are you talking? Are you going to use these? Can you imagine two people using these together and having a conversation where they're looking at each other? Or maybe you are walking down the street one day and there's this couple on a date sitting outside and they're both wearing these and they're talking to each other. I mean, do, is that what is, what is happening with, with this kind of technology? It's going to be amazing, but does it help us connect better? Because that sometimes is the promise, right, of technology. But I'm not so sure that that's always the way it is, right? Um, even though like technology is, is growing uh, faster and more efficient, and, and I, I love so much of it, there's innovation. Um, I would say this, people are more lonely or at least have the opportunity for more loneliness than ever before. I mean, I'm gonna date myself with this story here, but I remember like when pay at the pump at the gas station became a thing, right? Raise your hand if you remember that, like before pay at the pump, we would have to like take the long trek inside to the gas station and give the attendant our credit card and actually have to have a conversation with somebody, right? And if you went to that same gas station over and over again, you might actually even get to, uh, get to know them. But then somebody figured out how to connect a credit card machine to a gas pump, and that saved me a few extra seconds and, and much more efficient, uh, faster and, and less personal, right? Faster and less personal. That's not a big deal by itself, but there are other places in our life that that has happened uh, as well. The whole promise of the internet has been speed, efficiency, knowledge, and connection, and connection, and, and certainly it can offer that, but often, often it seems like it allows us to hide, right? Like, like I can hide behind this I can hide behind my smartphone, I can hide behind the screen, I can hide behind my social media profile and just put up the good picture. I mean, you ever notice on social media how everything is great? Like, everything's great all the time. I mean, everything's great all the time. It, and, and it's a lot to live up to. You can also follow people all around the world, can't you? You can follow people, like, you can follow someone in, like, South Africa or Russia or, um, probably not Russia, actually, right, these days. But, uh, <laughs> You can, know, you can know people 
around the world, but, but, but can you really know them? Because all you're seeing maybe is their outward-facing profile. Um, Technology is amazing, and, and I love it, but I'm not sure it helps us when it comes to taking the impersonal and making it personal, and that's actually important. Uh, that's actually important. You know, uh, when I was in college on the campus, the campus was sort of alive, and it was amazing, and there were people, and there was activity, and it was easy to meet new people all the time. And uh, my, my, uh, one of our sons, Christopher, who's actually playing bass this morning, amazing, right? I mean, that's incredible. Um, yeah, uh, making that thing sing. Um, he's at the same college campus, and when I go visit him, when we go visit him, um, I mean, I'm not gonna make a blanket statement, but so many of the students are wearing their earbuds and walking around, you know, not engaging with anybody, right? Like just kind of walking around. And it can still happen, like you can still meet people, and, but, but it's harder these days, I think. Because part of it is this, we have a fear of personal relationships and a fear of intimacy and a fear of, of connection. And yet it's the very thing we want. It's the very thing we know creates meaningful life. In fact, there was a Harvard study that just completed uh, recently, 80 year long study, it's one of the longest studies, it might have been the longest study ever of this kind that was taken. They uh, spoke with and, and worked with over 1,300 people and the study was all about health and happiness. What makes you happy? You know what they concluded? They found out what we already know. <laughs> I mean, their conclusion was basically this. What makes you happy is not the size of your bank account, it's the quality and the depth of your relationships. Like 80 years, all right? We could have told you that. We knew that already. We know that already. And yet, it's difficult. And often we put up barriers between us and, and people. And now, I want to ask you today to apply that same idea, that same logic to God. To God. Because our tendency is to say this. He's distant. He's far away. He, um, he, he can't be known I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you can almost play that in your head, right? I know what you say, and I know what the, you know, the church says, and I've been here before, and all, all of that, but, but he's really hard to know. Like, I, he, he feels super distant. And, um, and so we have all these names for him in our culture that keep him at a distance in some ways. Uh, the, uh, the big cheese, the head honcho, the big G, anybody ever use the big G? Uh, the big kahuna. And the name of our series, The Big Guy Upstairs. The Big Guy Upstairs, people throw those names around for God. But I would say this, none of those help us to get to know God better. None of those cultural names that we have really help us to get to know God better. And, and I would say this, actually, if you tend to call God the big guy upstairs, you probably don't know him as well as you think you do, <laughs> okay? Now, this series, by the end of it, we want to change that. We want to give you some new names for God. They're not actually new. They're found in, in the Bible. And we're going to crack these open for the next few weeks and give some insight into what they mean because that is going to help us get to know God better. Um, it's, it's been said that there are 955 names or phrases of God or for God in the Bible. Um, names like Elohim and Adonai and Jehovah Jireh and Ancient of Days and, and Son of Man, that was in that song just a minute ago. Um, Emmanuel, I think that song is really cool because it just lays out all these names of who God is. We're just going to look at three, okay? Just three. Now, I would challenge you in your time uh, away from church on Sunday to study these, to do a study, to look into what the names of God are, the other ones, but we're just going to look at 
Three, and I think in these three, you're going to find something valuable about the true character of God. And if you're feeling like, I mean, be honest, right? At least be honest with yourself. If you're feeling like he's distant, I think that that feeling can be kind of shattered and broken through as we dig into these names together, if you're feeling like he's distant. Now, um, the greatest view of God that we get, the greatest view of God, the greatest picture of God that we get is through Jesus himself, is through Jesus himself. And there was this name that Jesus was called. And, and in fact, when this name was, was uh, when, when he was called this name for the first time, it was kind of a put down. Or at least the people saying it thought, this is a put down, like this is going to associate him with what he doesn't want to be associated with. So we're going we're gonna to call him this name. But Jesus sees it way, way differently. So uh, there's a story I want to tell you today from the book of Luke. It's from Luke chapter, chapter 19, and we're going to show it up here on the screen um, together. And it goes like this. Um, Jesus entered this town of Jericho, and he was passing through. Now, Jericho was a town that was about 19 miles northeast of Jerusalem, and uh, Jericho was one of the oldest cities in the ancient uh, Near East, and th this city was on the west side of the Jordan River, and, and so Jesus was traveling a pretty, pretty far way up there, and here's what happens. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Now, um, I got to tell you a little bit about tax collectors this morning. I got to tell you a little bit about tax collectors. They were Jewish citizens who worked for Rome, and they were known for selling their own people out. They collected the taxes from their own people, and they took extra for themselves. They could take as much extra as they really wanted to, as long as they paid Rome, and that's why it says that he was wealthy. And so when, uh, when the writers of the, the New Testament, when the writers of the Gospels wanted to cover all the bad people, they would say this, they would say tax collectors and sinners. Like, like, like they would say tax collectors and sinners because even the sinners would look at each other and say, well, at least we're not tax collectors, all right? Like seriously, even the sinners would say that. When teenagers were trying to insult each other, like brothers and sisters were trying to throw insults at each other, they would call each other, they would say, well, you're a tax collector. And that would like, like completely take them down. That's how low they were. They had a whole separate category for these guys. And the, I don't know, maybe the closest thing that I can think of is that it's like a drug dealer selling out his own people for profit. Like, uh, that, like even drug dealers and tax collectors, though, as it turns out, have a heart and have a soul. And, and, and as Jesus sees Zacchaeus, uh, you're, you're going to see that come out. Here's, here's what happens. So we meet Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. He was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, um, you grew up in church? Some of you, some of you maybe did, some of you didn't. What? Oh, go ahead, sing it. Zacchaeus was a... Yeah, oh my gosh. Oh, y'all vacation Bible school people right here. Raise your hand. He climbed up in the... Be proud singing it. Come on, y'all. This is actually a tryout for our worship team, so sing. We need to hear you. None of y'all are going to make it. Uh, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Um, 
It's so easy to paint Zacchaeus in these broad strokes. It would be easy if you were the writer of this gospel, this story, to just say, he's a tax collector, he's awful, et cetera, et cetera. But Luke is writing this in retrospect. Luke is writing this. He has, he has researched it. In fact, uh, at the beginning of, of the book of Luke, it says that he's carefully examined all of the details, and he writes these stories. And he, So, so uh, very likely, he had spoken to people around this story that had happened. Maybe he had even spoken to Zacchaeus himself. Maybe he knew Zacchaeus. And so he gives us this three-dimensional picture of, of Zacchaeus. It's amazing. He's more than a tax collector to, to Luke and to Jesus. And, and this man wanted to see Jesus, he goes ahead, he, he, he climbs a tree. He was so curious about who Jesus was. And, and so it says this, when Jesus reached the spot the, where the tree was, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So, so Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus in this tree. And let me just stop and say this um, to you today. And I'm going to say it to myself, too. And maybe this is the thing you need to hear today, among everything else. Um, God sees you. God sees you in your, um, in your inadequacy, and in your failure, and in your inability to, to, to live up to your standard or someone else's standard. And He sees you in your lack of love. Even in your rebellion, in my rebellion, he, he, he sees you. He sees you. Um, I, I'm, an, uh, I'm an introvert by nature. And so uh, growing up, like th there are times, I think it's true for anybody, but, uh, but there are times where uh, if you're quiet, if you're on the quieter side of things, aren't there times where you just feel invisible? Like, you ever been, like, you tried to even say something in a conversation, and it's like people don't even hear you? Um, uh, there were times, especially, and I think as a kid, uh, there were moments where I would find myself feeling around other people or at school or whatever, finding myself feeling invisible and thinking, does anybody even see me? Did anybody even see what I just did? Or did anybody even hear me? And um, maybe life for you these days has gotten lonely, and you're wondering if anybody sees you. God sees you. God sees you. He sees you. And Jesus saw Zacchaeus. He saw through, when he saw him, this outer shell. He saw through the tax collector thing. And, and Jesus is like, um, I think he's probably thinking, what is this guy doing? He's up in a tree. All these other people are standing around. And here's this guy who is up in a tree. And I got to think Jesus was probably a little bit impressed by that. You know, like, like here's this guy who's the chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. Let me tell you something about that culture. Wealthy people did not run in public, okay? That was a, a, just something you did not do. It was an embarrassing thing, let alone climb a tree in front of everybody else. That is not something that you would do. But he climbed a tree in front of people that he had taken advantage of. And I got to imagine as he climbed that tree, these people are probably picking up rocks, getting ready to throw them at him and yelling at him and saying, get down from there, you whatever, moron, come on down, right? Like, you're the guy that we don't want to see up there. You're the guy that we try to ignore. But Jesus is looking for the ones who are willing to go out on the limb. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> he's looking for the ones who are willing to go out on a limb. He saw somebody on a search. He saw somebody on a search um, who, who would go to great lengths to find Jesus, to see him, even running, embarrassing himself, and climbing a tree. Here's a true seeker. 
Maybe you find yourself on a search today. Jesus um, loves it when we go out on a limb for him and seek after him. And so he's, he's waiting, he's watching, he's looking for you, he's looking out for you. And then he, he makes this extraordinary statement. He says, Zacchaeus, come down, right? Come down here. I'm staying at your house today. I'm staying at your house today. He says that in front of everybody. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to see him, right? It's one thing for Jesus to see him. It's a whole other thing for him to invite himself over for dinner. But he wants to come to Zacchaeus' house. These people around, they wouldn't even set foot in that guy's house. They wouldn't even come near him. They'd probably egg his house, but they wouldn't go in his house. And Jesus is saying, I am inviting myself over to your house today. He's got to sit with like the, that, that moment for a second. What's happening is these other people are going, Gee, you know, you're going to do that? Like, it blew their minds. And it, and it says, uh, so he came down at once. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You like that word, mutter? You ever mutter? Sometimes I mutter. Um, they all muttered, apparently, to each other. <laughs> and you can kind of hear that murmur of what that sounds like. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's not how they wanted Jesus to behave, is it? That was not in their box for him. That was not in their box of, oh, Savior, great prophet, great teacher, go into a tax collector's house. That did not fit in, and that's not certainly how they thought God behaved. A sinner to them, uh, a, a sinner was someone who did not and, or, or was not able to keep Jewish law, Jewish tradition. They were not able to attend ceremonies or just didn't attend ceremonies. They couldn't make animal sacrifices uh, that, that earned them standing and that earned them um, forgiveness. They couldn't do those things, but they missed an important fact, these people around Zacchaeus. They missed this, that Jesus wasn't here to toe the line of their tradition. Jesus was after transformation. That was his goal. That was his mission. It wasn't just to be uh, a part of that tradition. It was to take it to another level and to introduce something new. And the only way to see transformation happen is to go from impersonal to personal. It's to let them know that God is not impersonal, that he is personal. And so Jesus invites himself over to the tax collector's house. What better example, what better way to do it than that? And guess what Zacchaeus does? He invites all his friends. Now, if you're wondering who his friends are, guess who? All the other tax collectors and sinners. All of his tax collector friends. I mean, everyone that was at that party was questionable. Everyone, except for one of them. You ever been to a party like that? I know you have. Where everybody's questionable. Everybody's got a history. Everybody's got a past. Everybody's got something to hide. Everybody's done something or is in the process of doing something wrong. All of those things. That was what was going on in that house. Everyone was there at that party that was questionable. And Jesus was in that environment like all the time. All the time. And when Jesus draws near, that's when transformation can take place. When he draws near, transformation takes place place. In fact, here's what happens. They have dinner, right? I would love to know what happened at that dinner. 
But we get the next, the next sentence. We get the next part of the story. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, he said to Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. You ever wonder why it kind of goes there so fast? Four times that amount, right? Salvation is not just you and God in private. It's not just this one kind of relationship to you, you to God. It's not simply that. It ought to begin to transform our entire life. It ought to transform our relationships. He wants to save you and then let that ripple through the rest of your life and into real things that you do and real things that you say and real things that you ask forgiveness for and repay and real acts you, you take. Salvation is not just you and God in this private ceremony or in this private prayer. It starts there, but he wants it to ripple out. And I think it's amazing in this story that Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. And it's not just that Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I've, I've trusted you as my Lord and Savior. He doesn't stand up and say that. He stands up and he says, here's how uh, the fact that I've recognized that you're the Savior has, is transforming my life. And here's what I'm going to do differently. Here's how I'm going to change with your help, Jesus. I love that. I mean, that's the gospel. Because then Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, hey, uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And to that, all of his Jewish listeners went, what? You're putting him in the same boat as us? This man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is everything. This is everything. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And the result of that will automatically be life change if it's true, if it's real, if it's honest. And Zacchaeus um, began to right his wrongs and that meant recognizing that he was a sinner but not a sinner without hope. Just like you and me. This whole concept of sinner, really, with so much baggage around that word, but it simply means missing the mark. Like, like, that's all literally it means is I missed the bullseye, I missed the mark, and that means, therefore, I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own. I'm unable to live, and I'm unable to love like God asks me to love. I'm unable to live like he asked me to live. It's about needing help. It's about being honest. Yes, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, in need of help because I can't do it on my own. That's a secret sauce of being a Jesus follower, of stepping into faith, is just saying that and owning it. And then being willing to let Jesus step into your house and transform things from the inside out. So there's this other passage in the book of Matthew where, where this name of God comes forward. And it's, it's talked about as an insult. It says this. This is how Matthew says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, they say, the Pharisees, the others, the religious leaders of the day say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And through this story and all these other interactions that Jesus had with people, this amazing grace 
and hope-filled name emerges of Jesus and of God. Friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. Jesus wore that as a badge of honor. They wanted to throw that in his face and condemn him with it. He wore that as a badge of honor. Friend of sinners. And like Zacchaeus, he wants to come into your house too. Like he's inviting himself into your house too to transform you and me. Uh, at some point when I was a teenager, I read this story and it was called, um, it was called My Heart, Christ's Home. It's just this little, little story by a guy named Robert Munger. And, and basically the story kind of goes like this. Uh, a, a man invited Jesus into his house to live. And, and Jesus came in and the man said to, the, to, to Jesus, everything that I have, everything that's here belongs to you. And I'm so glad that you're here. And, and I want to show you around my house. And, and so Jesus is like, yeah, let's do that. And so the first place they go is to a room that's a very small room, very thick walls called the study. And it has, has some books and magazines and things going on in there. And the man realized as Jesus stepped into that room that he wasn't super proud of everything going on there in there because that was the room of his mind and what was going on in his mind wasn't completely surrendered to him and so in the process in this story he surrenders to Jesus this room and what he's putting into his mind and then as, as they can begin to live in this house together they begin to work their way through the house into these other rooms they go into the dining room where uh, where exists all of the man's appetites and desires and and slowly he gives those over to Jesus. And, and then they go into the living room and, and this is where Jesus says, hey, I wanna meet with you here every day. I'm gonna be here. Uh, I, I, I wanna be here with you. I'm gonna be here every single day. And, and they did that for a while, but sometimes the guy got a little slack or got a little busy. And, um, but Jesus was always there. And then they move into this other room called the work room. And, and that's where Jesus began to show him uh, how to produce things that mattered, how to produce things for the kingdom. And, and all this was going really well, but there was just this one little place, this little dark closet upstairs that the man had hidden away. And there were um, secrets there that he enjoyed that nobody else knew about. And eventually Jesus, in his gentle but firm way, asked about the closet. And, and, and through this story, the man opens up finally that closet door and they go in together and Jesus helps him clean it out and surrender that to him as well. Jesus, friend of sinners. It's one of the greatest and most necessary for us names of God because we can't make our own way out of it. We can't make our own way out of sin. Because of sin, we're once enemies of God. Sin puts us in opposition. But because of the cross and what Jesus accomplished, we can be friends with God again. Jesus, friend of sinners. So let me ask you, like how can you begin to treat God like your friend? How can you begin to look at him like your friend? Because he's not just the big cheese, the big guy upstairs, the guy who's really distant and far away. He's right there beside you saying, I wanna be your friend. I want to be your friend. Maybe it simply starts with spending a little time with him. 
like you would any of your friends that you want to get to know. Maybe it starts with a couple minutes every day. I'm just going to say it in the car, say it when no one else is around because you're going to maybe feel weird. But like, Jesus, uh, let's be friends today. Like, like, uh, for the next couple minutes, let's just hang out together and see what begins to happen in your life. I think, I believe, you'll begin to live a little bit differently. And he'll begin to slowly invite you to surrender more and more and just say, wouldn't it be better if we did this together? Hey, Gerald, wouldn't it be better if you just handed that over to me and I helped you with this? Maybe the other thing that you can do is simply rest. Like rest in the knowledge that you're friends with God. You're no longer enemies, you're friends. And there's no work you can do to earn that. There's no, there's no striving. They're simply resting in that reality today. Jesus, friend of sinners. What a name. Let's pray. God, it is amazing to me that you call us friends. You call us friends, especially when I begin to understand that my sin has has put a barrier between you and me. But God, you say we're your friends through Christ Christ. What an amazing thing that you've done. What an amazing, uh, amazing links you've taken. What amazing steps you've, you've taken to find us, God. Those of us today who are seeking, uh, I, just, I just pray especially for them, especially for you, uh, that you will make yourself known, God, that we uh, and that, that those who are seeking will open up their heart and begin to look and not be afraid to go out on a limb, not be afraid to, to make a declaration that maybe will embarrass them in some ways in front of their friends, God, because you're the only one that matters. You're the only one. God. But you are friend of sinners. What a beautiful thing that is. What a beautiful name that is. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.